This is Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Calgary Flame game day, the NFL draft. Blue Jays wrap up a set with the dirty, stinking Red Sox. Cheating, unvaccinated Red Sox. The Raptors look to do it again. We got a hell of a day on the on the old cooker. Heck yeah. And uh, you got your Yankees matinee too. You could go quadruple header here. Easy. Maybe five, only, five sporting events yeah. today. Only had like a sports show where you talk about it for a few hours. You'd have all kinds of content. Hmm. Yeah. Have to look into that. Our next guest. He will, uh, he'll, he'll, you know what, what a vantage point he will have for this finale today. Well, you got good seats, you think? I think he has a great spot. Does he like being in the outfield or like third baseline? Where do you think he wants to be? No, right, right up top. Behind home plate? Just hanging right up top. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dear. Our next guest would have uh, been there for all five Blue Jay hits yesterday. Oh, Two of them dear. from George Springer. Uh, ben Wagner, the play-by-play voice of the Blue Jays. Good morning, Ben. Oh, you guys are great. Good yeah, morning. I know, aren't we? We keep saying yeah. that to people, and they just don't buy it. They usually deadpan, <laughs> but they, they don't cut us off. Yeah, it's the yeah. other way. It's like, yeah, you guys really yeah, you're, are something. You're great. So I guess now I'm, I am. It's uh, be, I am being a little bit cheeky, but we talked about it before uh, before we brought you on. You, you got a pretty decent start. Real good start from your number six, right? And you didn't think that. If the bats would have come to life a little bit, you, you you never blame the Blue Jays' offense. Not that you are blaming it, but it was a surprisingly kind of quiet day at the plate yesterday. Yeah, it was, especially with the dramatic swings that the Blue Jays had, especially late, right? Monday night, Bo hits the grand slam. Tuesday night, it's George Springer, the game-tying home run in the ninth. And then you just had the sense that something good was going to happen in the 10th when you put that runner at second base and you have a chance to win it. And knowing that it's Bo with good speed and just, um, you know, the Blue Jays had every opportunity last night to get something jump-started with their offense, and it just never happened. It never happened. Michael Walker was really good, <laughs> really good for six innings. Let's, let's start there. But so is Ross Stripling. And I thought maybe Charlie would lift him after the fourth inning, especially going nine, one, and two, knowing that he had Saucedo, knowing that they had extra lefties in the bullpen, and and likely needing to avoid some of the higher leverage guys tonight. I thought, all right, Stripling has given you house money to work with here. Something good is going to happen because the bullpen for the Boston Red Sox has been just terrible in the series and they have been horrendous overall. And this would be the opportunity, once Walker was out of there, that the Blue Jays would attack because they were still in the game. They were still in the game before the 7th, 8th, and ninth, right, mm-hmm. where those clunky runs were scored. And, and they had so much opportunity, and it just hasn't happened. And, you know, the Blue Jays are off to a great start. They are off to a great start given their schedule. And let's remember what the, what the schedule is. I mean, there are no soft spots in this schedule so far, and certainly not in this homestand. Uh, you know, I think that last night's loss was more a product of Michael Walker than it was Blue Jays' offense. Bo Bichette, uh, Ben Nicholson-Smith tweeted out this morning, has struggled mightily against fastballs. And that doesn't seem like um, that would make sense at just first glance because he's a guy that seems to be taking heavy cuts early in counts, and it seems to be 
as we talked about last week, Bowen two to start every at bat. But because he struggled against fastballs and teams aren't dumb, he's getting more and more fastballs. How much of that explains what's been a, a difficult start offensively for him this season? Well, a lot, but look where the fastballs are, too. That's another thing. It's about pitch location and the execution of those pitches where Bo is getting getting the fastball. They're elevating the heat, and 94, 95, 96 miles an hour for most of these guys is good enough to get it done. Even with the aggressiveness that Bo has, uh, he's getting pounded up <clears throat> and pounded in, and that's where Bo is having the greatest struggle in making solid contact. Nothing is out over the plate with Bo, and that's the big difference from last year. The league is going to catch up. Last year was a full run for Bo Bichette and a lot of these guys. Well, guess what? The league's going to make adjustments, and now it's up to the Blue Jays to make adjustments. So, uh, you know, most of the stuff is borderline, whether it's going to be a consistent strike on a given night. Now Bo starts to lay off of that stuff, and he's going to get the count back in his favor and he can start one Oh, he can start one and one, two and one. Then pitchers have to get a little bit more creative and hover over the plate. And that's when I think Bo can attack. Uh, I, I had a conversation with Bo in the clubhouse on Tuesday night, heels of the grand slam, you know, in the comeback, there was a lot going on there. And I said, I'm trying to figure it out because sometimes we see the leg kick when we have traditionally seen it. Sometimes we see the leg kick when we were not supposed to see it with the two strike approach. You know, that was MO in 2019, 2020. And he, he morphed it a little bit last year. We started to see it because he said he felt like he last year was fighting his swing the entire time. And he almost hit 300 at the end of the day. And even when the blue Jays had the, the number of at bats they wanted, uh, both still felt, felt off. None of the blue Jays this year got the at bats that they wanted. Even the guys that were really religious about playing in the major league spring training games, or even what they were getting in the backfield, um, and for Bo, it's now just a little bit deeper of a fight that the season has started, and he's being pitched a little bit different. And he said, "If I was being more aggressive, it would mean I'm being more selective, and I would be more patient at the plate. I am just trying to swing myself." And he he said, he said the other day. Uh, actually, in batting practice on uh, on Monday, he wanted to get in and just crank, just crank home runs. He goes, it's been forever since I felt like I hit hit a ball hard enough to get a home run, let alone get a home run. And he had home run on the second game, second game of the regular season. So that that told me, yeah, it's in his mind. He's thinking about the hard contact. He's not barreling it up like he usually does. That of course Monday night he goes out there and he crushes the home run. And we're seeing the timing just a little bit off. And it's about the fastballs and the execution of the fastballs, the way he's being pitched. He's certainly not alone, but the league has found a little bit of a hole in both swing, and they're attacking it. What's the latest on Teoscar Hernandez, who had that oblique strain that, uh, that can be so notoriously, I guess, uh, tardy to heal? He can't get back in the lineup fast enough. I think we're seeing with the way that the offense has sputtered since his injury, and it's a, it's a shorter lineup right? You're leaning on guys that have come through in some situations like Bradley Zimmer, and that's been great, Rymel Tapia, but none of those guys are Teoscar Hernandez. None of those guys are going to jump in and hit cleanup for you and slot that lineup a little bit deeper. Teoscar right now is starting baseball progression. He's been on the bases. He was a thoroughbred running on bases yesterday. I mean, I was right off the third base coach's box when he was coming from second and cutting the corner and going to home plate. I mean, you just get an appreciation for how much power he has running and just how fast he is. He might be the fastest Blue Jay. 
Um, Tay Oscar with the oblique has been in the cage. He's going to do the velo machine today. I think he goes out, and I don't know for certain, but just talking with Tay Oscar, I think that probably a little bit of a rehab appearance next week, and then maybe within seven to ten days, he's back in the lineup for the Blue Jays. So there is light at the end of the tunnel for Tay Oscar. He's coming back, and it's not as severe as what they originally thought. But the days the days are very few now without Teoscar Hernandez in this lineup. Uh, they, this is a 16-game stretch for the Blue Jays where they only play Red Sox, Astros, Yankees. Cruel, but uh, it also means there's, I guess, less choppy waters ahead for the Blue Jays, and thus far pretty good. Two of three in Boston, two of three in Houston, two of three thus far at home against the Red Sox. I guess you'd take six and nine out of the gate to start that 16-game stretch. Absolutely, and you know you have Alec Manoa going in the finale here this afternoon, and that's that's the Blue Jays seemingly guy that flops in here when you need something. You need something to shut down an opponent and stifle any kind of momentum. You know, it felt like the the Red Sox last night behind Walker got a little bit of momentum. They got a couple of guys on base. Bogarts is going crazy. Uh, Rafael Devers jumps off the bench the other night, rips that base hit. Um, coming in the pinch hit situation uh and you don't want the red Sox to get hot you know you don't want to give them any life because they're down they're pretty down right now they they missed alex cora (laughs) mightily um and blue jays you know have been battered up a little bit this this is a really good situation for the blue jays and the pocket of play you're talking about 20 consecutive games we talked about how grueling the schedule would be just in games played, let alone the opponents. You never know how anybody's going to come out of the gate. But you play well against the New York Yankees, the first go-around in the Bronx. The Blue Jays are never intimidated about going in there. And then you have the, the solid road trip through Fenway and Houston, despite the, the walk-off loss on Sunday afternoon. You bounce right back. You get two great wins against the Red Sox. You've secured at least a split of the series right now, and you've got a really good shot to win it. This is Great news for Charlie Montoyo, Pete Walker, just the way things are working out, where their pitching lines up. And once those bats get going, and everybody else has uh, lessened in productivity club-wise in Major League Baseball with their offensive production, nobody is panicking with this Blue Jays club. It still might win 100 games. So we got a long way to go, and, and everything with health will show up for the Blue Jays and work very, very well. Ben Wagner, voice of the Blue Jays on uh, Sportsnet Radio. I was going to say it almost sounds—it sounds like you kind of were carrying water a little bit. But man, when you look at how the rotation has performed, and outside of Manoa, there, there have been some individual performances to speak of. But the rotation hasn't been your strong point yet. You—you've been in these tight games. I shy did the uh, the math on it. What is it? Fourteen of the first nineteen games. Tight. It's been high leverage. It's been three runs or less, whether you win or lose. And like Ryan, you said it's six of nine, 12 and seven. You're going to at least saw off another another set. Yeah, and this isn't the Orioles. This isn't the bad teams yet. You are going to play those teams. Teams would kill for this to be their rough or cold start to the season. Oh, they certainly would. Or look at it from a Blue Jays perspective, uh, a really difficult part of the season and a great start. And that if you, you win 12 out of 19 ball games with this grueling stuff, that's exactly what the Blue Jays are looking at. It There's absolutely no no reason to worry you should be more excited and i'm more excited about this blue jays club because how they've handled the schedule and you know the setbacks guys have been in offers all the way up and down this lineup we haven't seen matt chapman's back get hot uh 
there are guys out there in Alejandro Kirk who's struggling not only this year, Alejandro Kirk's struggling for the first time in his career, and he's still 23 years old. So let's think about all that and still what's to come uh, for the Blue Jays. Now, there are some problems, and they have to make some adjustments. Everybody knows that. But again, this is a really good spot for Toronto to be in. So you're sure Kirk isn't 35 with six kids? Because I've, I've been watching the film. Right? <laughs> He's 23? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's one of the more compelling humans. I love it. I want more. That, honestly, I can't get enough of this guy. I want him and Brunt and a camera for like a week documentary this next off season in Tijuana. I want everything. I want to know more. <laughs> and I, and oh, I, you're going to want to see what's on the cutting room floor too. That's well, right. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, it's to suggest that you know this guy intimately. I'm not going there, but you've been around. Please tell me that this is a jovial, outgoing, fun-loving guy because it would. I'd be very How could sad. he not be? He has to be, right? I'd be very sad if he's kind of introverted and quiet and keeps to himself when he's that kind of guy. When, when he's with his teammates, he is that guy. Yeah. Absolutely. When he is around the media, I think you know there's a little confidence issue just with some language barrier, but you can have private one-on-one conversations and get through. And he put a lot of pressure on himself, guys. He wants to be a great teammate. He sees how much fun some of the other guys are having, and he wants to be at that level but he also wants to perform. And that's where the pressure for Alejandro comes. He wants to perform. He worked really hard on his English over the last couple of years. And that, that's not anything to do with any of the, the guys, the, the nerds like me, right? That is for communication and just some fluidity within game calling and going over the scouting reports. He's obsessed with information. I talked to the Blue Jay coaches, and that's one thing that they're so surprised on. So young and trying to harness as much information as you can get while talking about the game and going over it with the pitchers. And that's why he's going to – That's well, it's one reason why he caught a Cy Young Award winner wire-to-wire last year with yeah. Robbie Ray. And that's another reason why they feel that he's going to be best paired with Alec Manoa, uh, fastball-slider combination. It can mix in the changeup, obviously, and Manoa's been great. But also Jose Barrios. You know, that's the challenge here. And there's a lot of pressure. Think about that. Jose Barrios is supposed to be this staff ace, and he looked good his last time out, but you're the signal caller for this, and you want to navigate, and the first one was a little bit of a stinker. You know, mm-hmm. I know Jano caught that night, but you know, you're thinking about, okay, now what am I going to do different so Jose doesn't suffer in this situation while Jano is not able to catch yet? So there, there's, a lot, there's a lot that he's trying to cover. There's a lot that he's trying to grind through. Uh, his, his pressure for communication and soaking up as much knowledge and then doing the, the backstop stuff is another reason why I think the bat is just a little behind because he is putting so much mental energy into making himself successful behind the plate. Uh, last one for you. You talked about Barrio signs the deal. He stays beyond just the, the two years left on his deal when he came over from Minnesota. Starts opening day. There's a ace expectation. We watch Manoa go out and shove his first three starts. There's a guy that we talk about. Maybe he's the ace of the staff. Quietly, Kevin Gosman has not walked a batter, and we're being reminded that his splitter might be the most difficult pitch to hit in baseball. It is, and he's got two variations of it. And that's, that's the thing for me is he is – I referenced this last night uh, because Sawamora comes in out of the bullpen, and he's got a, just a wicked splitter too when it works properly. And I had a conversation behind the plate with Zach Collins the other day. I said, have you, have you spent much time catching splitters? And he said, not like that, guys. And he pointed towards Kevin Gosman. He goes, most guys just you know, whip a splitter towards the plate and let the natural release 
and tumble of a splitter work for them. Gosman's got two variations, and he can do whatever he wants with it and paint with this fine brush. And that's the thing with Collins. He goes, if it doesn't look good for a couple of pitches, I'm going to keep calling it. Even make him throw it at times if he doesn't want to throw it because it's going to be so good. And more times than not, it's coming out of the hand perfect. And the two variations is just a change in the way that Gosman will grip it, and he loves to talk about this stuff, um, just by moving the thumb. He's got the one that he wants to drop right on the point of the plate, and that has been the swing and miss. That has been just a beautiful pitch. But then he's also got the splitter where he feels so confident in his control with it that he can move it from one side to the next, and he also can feel the comfort on the release point where he can keep it high in the zone and he's comfortable not just letting it hang out over the plate. That's tremendous conviction with a ball that, you know, essentially floats over the middle of the plate that he's comfortable throwing it over for a strike and keeping guys off balance with just one more thing to think about. Uh, Gosman has been just a tremendous joy to watch. And, you know, this is early. This is really early. And, and he has gotten that pitch and and a reason why he is just kind of go, quietly going around his business and, um, you know, being another just absolute stopper for the Blue Jays. Well, and we were talking about it yesterday, and I'm not sure what impact it has, but uh, a great head of hair as yeah. well. And this Tremendously team, <laughs> tons of flow. Very lit, lush and thick. Ta- Tapia comes in, he's got some hair. Oh, yeah, we know about Guriel. I mean, it's... Vladdy and Bo. I am. I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. Of <laughs> oh, sorry, Ben. Yeah, uh, no, you've oh, seen geez. the picture. Yeah, you've seen the picture. Awkward. Um, uh, out of time. Thanks, sorry, Ben. Uh, awkward always transition. Yeah. yeah always week. good to talk to you, Ben. Remember, remember when I said you guys were great? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how it started. Yeah. Take it all back. <laughs> Thanks, Benny. Maybe we'll catch up next week. All right. Sounds good. Right Sounds on. good. Chat Thanks, Ben. Ben Wagner, play-by-play voice of the Toronto Blue Jays on the Blue Sports Jays Radio Network. Yeah. Radio Network. Sure. What a beauty. Great guy. And he'd be back in Toronto. Yeah. They had a stat on the game last night. Best record in the majors at home since they came back to Toronto belongs to the Toronto Blue Jays. And kind of you kind of forget, like, oh yeah, they had to right. like play in a triple A facility in Buffalo for like a year and a half. Living in Echo like, trailers and a quarter of a season in a single A ballpark. Like Vladdy had the three home run game this year, and like, oh, yeah. he's done it before. Like, why don't I remember that? Like, oh, because it was a single A park and everyone like shrugged it off. Yeah. They have not been home for ages. And not to say, when when you're playing the Yankees, the Red Sox, I would guess the Astros maybe to a lesser extent, you're going to have some eyeballs. But the ratings, television-wise, have been as you would expect. Now, maybe it's because it's early in the year, and it, but they've been dynamite. Usually what happens is it's the end of the year when they're it's like, oh, they're going to be in the playoffs? Okay, yeah. I'm in. So to see the numbers where they're at now, I mean, opening day is always, you know, a standalone. Everyone's excited, change of the seasons, baseball's back, hurrah, and then there's the great dip. But they've been getting a million balls and eyeballs a night. Balls. You don't think uh, Benny thought I was taking a run there? Like, I, it wasn't that. I mean, it is a lot of hair, and he he's the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. I mean, I, I putting his nose in. Hey, like I mean, that. I, was, I didn't think about it until he brought it up. And you said balls, so it's a great opportunity for... Uh, for, for me to play. Yeah. Balls. 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 The Harry Balls Government Center. The answer was ball. No balls. Hey, I prefer a place where my balls are returned prompt. My balls was hot. We'll come back, talk about this matchup tonight at the Excel Energy Center. The first of back-to-backs for the Calgary Flames. Mm. The penultimate matchup. These wild. So good. They're pretty good. 
Flames have had their number so far this year, though. We'll get into it. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This R of the show is brought to you by Spruce It Up Garden Center. Your one-stop shop for the best plants, trees, pots and decor, and the greenest grass. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. They got you covered. You got everything pruned up, pruned up, yeah. Ready to go? It's like these, like the folks at Spruce It Up have been talking to my wife. Hmm? So about the, uh, about the tree, what are we doing with, I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, so about the about the lawn, what's happening there? I, I, I don't know. So you took those dead shrubs out of the uh, the thing there. Are you, are you replacing those, or is it just gonna? I, I don't know. And then she told me to go sit outside. Hmm. Just go sit outside. Well, that's what you want to do. You'll spruce up so you can sit outside. That's the plan. It won't be punishment if you take care of it, Dean. Good old balls montage, hey? Yeah. It's nice. It is. There's a few. You were asking me in the commercial break. Yo. Given the events of the out-of-town scoreboard last night, where just kind of assumed, watching Nashville, watching Dallas, well, what's the schedule going to be? Well, Colorado, they've got, uh, Nashville's got Colorado, so that's going to be a tough, a tough go. And what are the, what are the stars got? Well, they got Arizona. And then they got Anaheim. Mm-hmm. They'll probably win both. But these stars, the Dallas Stars, make things more difficult than they have to be. Who uh, opened the score? Did you see who opened the scoring for the Stars last night, Ryan? Yeah, my boy, Hockenpah. Yanni Hockenpah. Yanni Hockenpah. 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 Yanni Hockenpah. <laughs> one nothing Stars. Hockenpah, Sagan, Heisken, and three zip. Off to the third we go. Zuntite. Strawman, Gostaspare, Hayton, Boyd with his 16th in overtime, Coyotes win. Did you see the uh, the season that Shane Gostaspare is having after Philly bribed Arizona to take him this year? That was, yeah, uh, just under 50 points now, right? Third, uh, got his 12th of the season last night. He's a 50-point defenseman. And they're being paid to... Politely. Essentially. Multiple being... draft picks. Want a second rounder. Is there Please any, uh... take this off our hands. We need to give yeah. Rastis Rista line in a Brinks truck. Is there any uh, salary retention, or did they take the whole schmear? Well, took, it's the, only uh, four and a half. What's the problem with that? Well, I just, you never know. It's a tough idea. That's what it costs. Um, anywho, the, the Yotes beat the Dallas Stars last well. night, four to three. So one game remains for Dallas. It's against Anaheim. Hmm? They have 96 points. Nashville has two remaining, Colorado and the Yotes. And that is going to be, I'm just warning you right now, that game. <laughs> That's the one. Emotions will be running high, as it will be the final Coyotes game ever at Gila River Arena. And potentially the final game for Phil Kessel's incredible run as a Yote. A Yote. I know that there was some online discussion. What, uh, what do we do, Yotes fans? Do we do the whiteout? What, do, what jerseys do we like, wear? Well, How do we pay tribute to this incredible run that is coming to an end? And here's the thing. There's a lot of traditions in hockey, but it's got to be a 
Valley tradition. The whiteout is Winnipeg's, right? That's just copycat. You can do it better than that. It kind of is, yeah. But they, and it's yeah. like, okay, what would you do in other cities? Well, in other cities we do that. Oh, we're going to stand and cheer the anthem. That's Chicago's thing. What you need to do to send this team out in style the Phoenix way, the Arizona way, have about 4,000 fans show up. That's how we'll be remembered. I think they can do it. I have faith. There'll be a sellout next year. 4,000 fans. Let's do what we did a decade ago, the last time we made the playoffs. Oof. What did we do in 2012? Does, does anyone remember? They went to the conference finals I, I think they in were, 2012. They're like, boy, this Mike Smith's getting old. we got to move on. Where's our next goalie? Yeah, this guy's got maybe a year or two Oof, left. Not a lot of tread. These tires are bald. So anyway, the point I'm making is Nashville, we know it's not going to be UC Saros and Net. He has been shut down for the next two games. Oh, dear. And um, dare I say more? It's that time of year. You're not going to get any info beyond the bare minimum, but it does not seem like the prognosis is there very good. There is a great deal of concern around his health in Nashville, and rightfully so. He's been great. Well, yeah. And the other guy ain't been great. And it, it would be no different if that happened in Calgary or Tampa Bay. I think it's even worse than those places, but it's a similar vibe. Yeah. You, you, it's just gonna, that the backup's been worse. I was going to say, you lose your number one on the eve of the playoffs, it's terrible news. Mm-hmm. However, some teams are better, better situated to handle it right. with a capable backup. And I mean, we love them, but it does not appear... Like, David Riddick is going to be able to provide anything near the goaltending they've been getting near from Soros to this point. Yeah, so if it happened in St. Louis, it's like no sweat. We have two guys that can play. One's won the Cup, the other's been our best goalie. If it happens in Minnesota, darn, that's not great. But look, we've got Talbot and Flurry. There are certain teams that that's going to be okay, but there are other teams where it's a hard 1-2. It yeah. is not 1-A, 1-B, and the backups have hardly played, and there's a significant drop in talent from 1-2. to two. Calgary is that. Nashville is that. Lots of other teams are like that. Um, this is maybe the most lopsided example of 1-2. When you look at the minutes allocated, the game started, there's a huge gap between what Saros has given them and what they've allowed David Riddick on the ice to give them. Uh, not good. And there's even a thought out there that if it is significant for Saros and he can't go in the playoffs, Connor Ingram might be the guy that starts game one. Is that right? One, two, three, four. David Riddick has started six games in the calendar year. Um, how many at home? One? <laughs> uh, he started against Vancouver. Yeah, it, it, two. He started. Oh, two home games. He all started year. against the that's Wild. Cute. He started against Vancouver. That's it. And that's it. Oy. He knows that gate, though. You need a quick change? <laughs> gate. Didn't win. Either of those games that he started. Yeah, weird that he didn't give more. Yeah. He was due. Not here to pile on David Riddick. No, we love David Riddick. He's great. But what a story. You know, the big question that people have is, who are the Flames going to play? And we have to wait and find out. But Friday night, we'll know. It's it's amazing to me. I threw it out. I didn't realize till I saw it this morning that six of the eight series are still to be determined. Two threes. That's it. In the West. Everything else is very much up for grabs. You've got the Kings and Oilers. You've got the Blues and the Wild, and then everything else. I mean, we're we're it's zeroing in, 
but truthfully, it is. Well, what else? It's very. You... It's hard to predict at this point. Tampa, Toronto is very likely. Beyond that, there is. It's still like very much a lot of could be this, could be that. Not so even what, like leaning one way. Yeah. So what did the sing, the single point do to put you on the spot as far as yeah. the mathematical probabilities? Well, so Dallas had an easy schedule. The four points on the table. If they take all four, they essentially force Nashville to have to get a result in Colorado, mm-hmm. where they're playing tonight, which is going to be really tough. But because they leave a point on the table last night, they only get one out of two. It's like okay, well. Maybe you can get a loser point in Colorado or stub your toe and lose against Colorado, but still be able to get to wild card one if you're Nashville. I think it's still very much coin toss neighborhood in terms of whether it's Nashville or Dallas. Whereas if Dallas had won last night, I think the needle really swings their way because that one point, pretty big, if you're forcing Nashville to have to win in Colorado without Soros. With Soros out... For the Calgary Flames, quite frankly, if they're right, it shouldn't matter. Because right now, Wedgwood has been giving Dallas the same, more or less, goaltending than they've been getting out of Jake Ottinger. Mm -hmm. And if Saros is out, then whomever they put in, it's going to be a steep drop from Saros. And the updated percentages today, it's 56% Dallas, 44%. Nashville yeah. in terms of like one model trying to figure out, okay, we simulated these last two games of the year 10,000 times. Here's who the Flames met. So almost a coin toss. So is there any way, I feel like it would be based on what we saw the other night, a more physical series against Nashville? I think so, yeah. I've, I mean, travel-wise, is there much of it? Maybe a little bit? It feels like it's very similar in terms of travel. You're going further east for Nashville, you're going further south for Dallas. It's the time zone away. Yeah. I, you, you, I, I feel like you almost have to want Nashville if only because of the goaltending. Agreed. And it's like cruel because it's almost, if you feel like you're cheering for an injury or yeah. you're cheering against Riddick, but really what it is, it's a reminder that the most important player in a single series is the goalie. Because if a goalie gets hot, anything can happen. Yeah. And a guy that had a really good chance of getting a lot of Vesna votes just went down. That's a significant deletion for the Nashville Predators. As physical as that series may be, if they're not going to get saves, I don't care who you are. If you're not going to get saves, it's going to be real tough. So is Nashville's Ryan Pinder railing on the on the Predators today with the 67 starts that they gave to Soros and then he gets hurt in the third final game I of the season? Know. I, I don't know. I don't necessarily... The anti-penultimate... Anti uh... Well, tell me about his injury history. I don't think he has any. I don't know. So I don't think that's the same as what we're talking about here. And... I think they wanted to work Riddick or somebody else in more, but look where they were in the standings all year. And look at the They've performance been you were getting, and, if anything. And, and, and Dean, like they're fighting for their lives here. Yeah. If, they, if they drop three games in the last two months because they wanted to work a backup in, they're not in a playoff spot. They had to. That's the difference with Calgary here. They, they, no, these I guys were 99% for ages. The thing with Nashville is, I guess, you had Riddick... I think everybody in the league was, hey, he's, he's probably not a number one, but he'd be a good backup. He's making one point, whatever it is, 1.25. And he seemed to perform his best in platoons when there was a Smith around, when there was yeah. an Elliot around or whatever it was. So I don't know if you'd be looking at it and saying, we have Riddick, he's under contract, but we need to improve our backup spot. You knew what the story was going to be, that Saros was going to be the guy. He's been he's been the guy there, even when Rene was still there and maybe even playing better than he, 
They did Soros a good job was untouchable. Him. We heard about that. Maybe you can get Soros out of Nashville. No, he is their guy. They know that. That's four or five years ago. They were going to pass the torch to this guy. And there was questions about could, how elite he could be at his size, but there was never a question about who was going to be the starter when Rene was done. It just sometimes happens. Yep. It just... It, it totally does. Because and, and they'll know more than we do, but it could have easily been something as silly as Kachuk falling on a guy for the injury, and that's you can't avoid that. And, the, and, it, and maybe it is a, you know, he has been playing a ton, and we did want it's, to give him an extra day, but, man, we, needed to, we, we could have clinched a playoff with that game. We needed our number one that night. Like, it's... It's a tough spot they're in. I, I don't think there's any blame game in Nashville right now because he's been so good and Riddick has been so shaky. It's like when a receiver in football goes down or anybody. The, when the athlete goes down, it's a non-contact injury. You see, the, mm-hmm. you see the hamstring pop or whatever. Is that because he played a bunch of games or this or that? How do you know? Yeah, we're not sports scientists. Is there such a thing? Oh, yeah. yeah. A sports scientist? Oh, yeah. No, if you go to Flames practice, you'll see guys that are the iPads in front of them, and they'll be monitoring like heart rate of guys, and you'll be able to day over day over weeks be mm-hmm. able to note where guys are feeling better or not because of how their bodies react into going through practice. The Predators, meanwhile, have three wins in their last ten games, which is amazing given the performance we have seen out of them as Flames observers. They've played Calgary quite well. They've gotten points, and really. Uh, maybe deserved to or should have found a way to get to the other night. I don't know how you want to look at it. Maybe they didn't deserve it, but they they were in a position to get to. Um, And I just wonder about the vibe in that locker room because you've got the captaincy, you're Roman Yossi. Guys, we're good. No, guys, we're good. We're good. With Soros, you had three wins in, in your last ten. On the other side, it's Dallas. We saw what happened last night. They're 5-3-2. and two. Both of these teams have just kind of been average to the finish. And I don't know if they... They're, you're in. Maybe you don't care. Is it Calgary? Is it Colorado? Well, you'd probably rather Calgary, but you know you're going to be... That you're gonna, it's going to take an upset for you to get through, and something special is probably going to have to happen. If you're Nashville or Dallas, you're a dog, whether you're going to Colorado or Calgary, and no one's picking you to win, and you're going to play some really good hockey for two weeks to get through. And I think conversely, if you're the Flames, look, you're going to be favored. Daryl's going to say you're an underdog, and there's going to be tense moments because these two teams, they provide unique challenges. Like, Do you see Nashville backing off or yielding at any point in a series? No, that's not their DNA. They're going to work their tails off, and you're going to have to play a very, very physical series. Now, I think the Flames can do that, but it won't be easy. And for Dallas, just when you want to write those guys off, it's like, oh, there's again, and Ben came to life, and there's only Klimberg can do that, and there's Haskin and logging half an hour. Like, there's no Robertson and Gurianov going off again. Rupe Hintz scored. Like, these are going to be tricky outs, but they should be outs. And that would be, at this point, any team that's in the playoffs, you can squint and see how they can potentially win. Yeah, and it wasn't always that way. You think about when this was a 22, 23, 24 team league. Team 16 ain't that good. This is a 32 team league now. Team 16 is real good. Vegas is team 17, right? That's a pretty damn good team on paper. Then, yeah, there's injuries and all that. But the 16 best teams, there's no flukes here. We'll talk about the Wild. That's the opponent tonight. They, they're they having a 
franchise best season. 51 wins, 109 points. Those are high watermarks across the board. Uh, They had three 10-game winning streaks this year. They're fifth in goals, four per game. They have three 30-goal guys. That's the best season they've had in terms of individual performance. We'll talk to Joe O'Donnell, play-by-play voice on KFAN 100.3. But last night, in all of this, the Vegas Golden Knights, for the first time in their franchise history, will not be going to the playoffs. They miss, they lose, it was, they sputtered to the finish. What was it five of six they lost in the end? You three shootout losses in a row. They went 0 for 17 in the shootout in their last three games. Yeah. That is mind-boggling. Can you imagine 17 shooters and not scoring once? Never mind your season on the line. Never mind you got three Eichels in there, a stone, a patch already. I know uh, Peter DeBoer afterwards, he said, I feel bad for LT, who's Logan Thompson. The kid yes. is the kid made 37 saves in regulation and then seven more in a shootout. And here's the thing about those guys going 0 for 17. That meant he is, what, 12 of 14 in his last two shootouts, and that wasn't enough. Yeah, 37 saves uh, through regulation and overtime, I guess, to be accurate. But So what is, as we sit here now, we know who's in. We don't know, again, of the... Uh, Half of the seeds are unconfirmed. Six of the eight playoff pairings are yet to be determined, but we know who's in. What's the biggest disappointment in terms of being on the outside looking in? I think it's one in each conference that are e- easy. Um, the Islanders have been to back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals, and the Vegas Golden Knights were in win-now mode and pushed even more cash into the middle of the table. I don't think anything's close in either conference. I didn't realize for the Jets... Because the series they lost to the Flames, of course, was play-in. This is their ninth straight absence from the postseason. So when that whole thing was happening with Nashville, so the Jets have missed nine straight. That's not right. You can. I'm, I looked this morning. Sorry, I counted. Rephrase that. I feel like I heard that. Wrong. This is the ninth straight miss. Is that accurate? No. We were, when was the Nash? When did they go to the? Winnipeg? Yes. They lost in the Western Conference Final like four years ago to Vegas. How do you miss nine in a row if you play in the Western Conference Final? They swept the Oilers last year. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so then... What right. are you talking about? Well, I get up at 1.30 in the morning half the time. This is too mathy. you got to stay away from anything with numbers. I'm telling you. You know what? Here's what it is. Here's what it is. I counted playoff absences. It was uh, 1.0. 1.0, they, uh, they made it against the uh, Detroit Red Wings in their final season, and that was the one. Uh... I got you. Anyway. So Jets 2.0, how are they doing? Uh, 2.0, they um, conference semifinals. They won one round, missed the playoffs. They uh, missed in 19, obviously, with the uh, 1-0 rounds. Conference finals in 2018. So that's the scoop there. So what you're saying is they've made the playoffs four years in a row. They missed in 2020. That's right. And this year. Thank you. Yeah. Tw- the qualifying so, round always. So for Vegas, it's their first miss in five. You're right with the Islanders. And that's and an old roster, and they're paying guys in the back nine. Like, I don't think that starts looking better anytime soon. I know they were injured and had to start with 20 on the road and all that, but. You look at the roster Lou Lamarillo's built, there's a lot of loyalty to guys in their 30s that aren't going to get better year over year. They could use a Devin Taves. <laughs> All right, listen, I'll just do this right now so we can... Uh, oh, my God. It's, uh, it, hey, 
All right. We'll just move along. Fair Pretend enough. it didn't happen. Um, they're supposed to be the. You don't want to play the Islanders in a series. They're going to beat you two to one. But they also had the arena deal, the man games that they lost. Because remember, it was Pulak and Lee, and they had so many guys. Their goaltending kind of let them down. In addition to all of it, but they it just didn't I mean, look like the they were. Man. They weren't close, even with somewhat of a resurgence. They had eighty-two points. That's, I mean, that's well back. That's a that's a country mile back, and I, no one could have predicted that. We were we were a year ago clamoring for the Flames to be Islanders West. Yeah, if you could play, get some goaltending, play staunch defense, get some balanced scoring, win some tight hockey games. Now they are eighth in the league in goals against, so they still have that part of their identity. But what was crazy is they just couldn't score goals this year. Like, how, like we're talking only Arizona, Philly, Seattle, San Jose, Montreal, Chicago scored less. That's it. Yeah, you look at their goals for it against. Uh, you're the eighth best team yeah. in the league in goals against, and you're underwater. <laughs> and you're out. Yeah. So I would guess there it's disappointment for sure. You just. And you got that new rink, right? You can you got some hype. People want to go there. What's happened to Matt Barzell? Wasn't he supposed to be like a 90-point a year this type of season? If there's going to be 40-point-per-game guys, isn't he supposed to be one of them? So who is closer to, I think kind of across the board, you look at it, most people, even if you are loving the fact that Vegas is out, next year's another year. They got a full year, Eichel. Just Eichel gets a full offseason of training. Figure out your cap. Do what you got to do. Figure out your goaltending. Do whatever. But come back next year. Have a training camp, and we'll see where we're at. The, the, I is think it, the real issue is going to be how can you count on Leonard, and how many games can you count on him for? Because it's he's never been a full workload guy. He played pretty much every other game in for the Islanders when he had that monster year for them. He was in a platoon of sorts in Chicago and Vegas that year he went and then got traded. We talked about how big he is and how hard it is on his body to play the position. You can't be penciling this guy in for 60, I don't think. Is DeBoer safe? I don't know that he should be. I don't know that Kelly McCrimmon should be. If they're going to operate with the coach and GM like they have with the prior coach, or prior faces of the franchise, or day one players there, then they should be in trouble. If they're going to be patient and play the long game, well, they never have. But maybe that's why they got here. I don't know. I feel like we're going to know what the owner's made of right now. Well, and I was just going to say, the owner did not want the Flurry deal to happen. Do anything but. I understand we brought in good players. They're making money. We're, we have a cap situation. But we can't trade that guy. That can't be the casualty to get us under the salary cap. And then you miss the Man. playoffs. There's there is something there. So I don't I don't know if is part of that take a deep breath and be patient. Is that the same thing with the coach and the GM to your point? But I wonder about Winnipeg. Not that the GM I think is in trouble because they don't do anything to change things. But we've talked about Dave Lowry. We love him. He's our guy. I don't know what the spot is there. Dubois is an RFA, had a career year in terms of goals this year. Stastny is out. You probably don't want to play Hellebuck 70 times again next year. Eric Comrie, I guess, has been okay. First of his career. 
But uh, and they were in this spot where Nashville was too, where it's like you had to play one more than you wanted to because look at the standings, you're chasing. Ehlers missed a good chunk of the season. The Connor. real issue there is is that Blake Wheeler's not a good five on five player anymore, at least relative to what you would expect for guys that make monster dough. And that thing's got a bit of runway left. Eight and a quarter, and he's basically a guy that produces on the power play and having a tough time at even strength now. He's 35. Uh, turns 36 this offseason. It's a lot of dough you could use elsewhere. And here's the thing. as it, it, only, it could stand to get a lot worse for Wheeler. He had 15 goals, only three of them on the power play, 58 points in 63 games. That's, it's not terrible. But with, what do you say, two more years? And he's 36 At 8.25. And we know which way this arrow's pointing. Yeah. So as bad as it maybe has been at times, because even going back to a year ago where Paul Maurice was having to defend him in, in the media, that probably doesn't come around. Kyle Connor, you did, your, you, you did fine, son. You, you did your job. Yeah, but it's like, hey, Dylan Dubé has got three more goals than Blake Wheeler. Who, what's happening? Is Blake Wheeler having a bad year or is Dylan Dubé having a good year? Like they're not the same age is different, but just to remind you, fifteen ain't an impressive number. Like Lance Bomba scored more than fifteen guess, one year. I guess the point I'm making is Blake Wheeler struggling. I I see it happening, and I see it being a lot worse than what happened this year. I agree. I think and the floor, this year went good. I think the floor can fall right out. Agreed on on him. No, it's valid. The Wild. They're off to the postseason. They got the St. Louis Blues. Oof. Blues are good. Wild are good. That's going to be a banger of a series. That is going to be an absolute banger. We'll talk to Joe O'Donnell. He watches them on a nightly basis. Play-by-play guy on the K-Fan. will join us when we come back. This hour brought to you by Spruce It Up Garden Center, your one-stop shop for the best plants, trees, pots, and decor and greenest grass. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. They got you covered. Sportsnet 960, the fan.